So your listeners are primarily lonely men that feel disenfranchised? No, we have a lot of different influence. <laughs> we did have uh, we, we, have a lot we of did a live show recently, and one of our listeners Showed came on stage and, and, and admitted. <laughs> I didn't say that. He's gonna no, fucking I, shoot I, us. No, no, if you look, say that. I like him, and he's cool. I'm just saying, like from the, my first thing was like, uh, you know, he's a self admitted kind of. I was all I said was that he admitted to being a four chaner in the past. Right. Oh, four chan and insult. They're like not all the same though. Exactly. Also, as my profile grew or whatever, and I started kind of getting pushed into the conservative space, I was like, okay, we need to like right. tone this down a little. That's what I'm curious about now is like when I see most of the time when I see you appear on Twitter, uh, it's in like... Like Ben Shapiro retweeting me. <laughs> like that? Yeah. Or just is he? Yeah. Is he? Oh, yeah. Nice. But that's what's so interesting, too, about, um, you know, Glenn Beck had me on his podcast. Yeah, I want to ask about that. And all of these guys, Ben was the first, the person who put me on. They all knew who I was, you know. Have you they, been on Ben Shapiro's show? He had me on his election special as an independent okay. on a panel. And it was the first media hit I ever did. Who it smells was, the best? Ben Shapiro, Glenn Beck, or Dave Rubin? Which of those guys? Dave Rubin. Okay, I figured. Yeah, yeah, he smells great. I would imagine he would smell very pretty good. He so smelled great. the worst. What was that like being on those shows? What it was what? great. I love it. Yeah. I love all of those guys. Really? I, I know that they're just loathed and hated, and I, don't hate I them, just but... I I mean by many people, I I guess because I didn't really fully understand the extent of the culture wars, and I did kind of fall ass backwards into the whole political space yeah. just by. All I was doing was pushing back against the political correctness I was feeling in L.A. and in our comedy community in particular. Right. And I was frustrated. And then I noticed that I would self-censor. And I was like, why am I not tweeting these things? Oh, because I know certain comedians that follow me or some of my peers will not like it because it's out of the lockstep of kind of the, the group think. Yeah. Or pushing back against some of that. And then I was like, ah, fuck it. I'm, I have nothing to lose. But that somehow landed me in like <laughs> conservative space. How would you define right. your politics? Um, I'm an independent. Right. I don't really define them at all. I, I feel like I am. And I said this on Glenn's podcast. I'm like, I don't know anything. I really was. I call. I say my factory settings were. I, I was born and raised a liberal East Coast Democrat, and they. My family was like the Irish Von Trapp family singers. They sang for the Kennedys. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> yeah, they were there were ten kids, and they would sing on like the Ted Mac Amateur Hour, and they did all these performances, and they sang for the Kennedys, and my grandmother worshipped JFK, and it was just a very big Irish Catholic liberal family. I never even questioned it, and right. then being in that bubble and then coming out here it was just i just was always surrounded by 
Democrats and liberals pretty much. Do you think living in L.A. has has influenced your politics in any way? I think and I've been talking to a lot of my friends that I've made online who are keeping me sane about this because they're kind of in the same space of being uh, people who consider themselves left on the left and being rejected or pushed out or left behind however you want to look at it reacting against it well yeah and they and trying not to react too hard in the other direction because i know that my instinct is to always be like well fuck you i'm spiteful and a contrarian no that's what's happened to me i got i you know same thing i grew up in the most left-wing family ever where are you from chicago okay yeah but i mean i come from like very left-wing like artist people mm-hmm. not not the classically liberal like we love kennedy more like the super you know like half, yeah i'm half jewish but my dad is not jewish but he's very liberal like super liberal mm-hmm. and academics you know and i also i'm just so disgusted by political correctness and identity politics that i've just gotten pushed far like not far right but like i have the exact same reaction i'm just like i cannot be down with this regressive left shit because it's not liberal no it's the it's it's not not. liberal it's actually the opposite of liberal it's like about word policing Mm -hmm. it's about uh racism Mm -hmm. actually and it's about you know but racism doesn't have the same definition no what i'm saying is they're racist no but i'm saying according to the critical according to leftist yeah there's you can't philosophy you can't be a racist which is insane and so it's like it's an obsession with race though right you turn on every time i turn on npr every single story is somehow about identity it's about the the woman the you know first african-american whatever it is and the thing is, they're saying race doesn't matter, but yet it's the topic of every single discussion they yeah. ever have. And so that, to me, is not liberalism at all. That's the opposite of liberalism. That's just, like, uh, authoritarian leftism. Mm-hmm. And I want no part of that you know, any more than I want authoritarian rightism, you know? Yeah, so, and that's the thing. They play the same game on the right, just in a different way. They sure. They fuck with identity politics. It's just... It's different. It's, uh, you know, the 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 left behind Christian or the left behind rural American or playing into those ideas of of um, nationalism. Right. You know, it's it's the somebody on Twitter today said that uh, nationalism is is the it's like on the left, what they're doing with communism it's just I, I have to remember how they put it, but it was so astute the way that they were saying that these are it, the the extremes are just I say fascism is encroaching on all time on all sides. And I get a lot of pushback from people on the left saying right. that fascism isn't actually that definition. And it's a historical for me to say so. Um, no, but they're wrong, because what was the Nazi party called? National Socialists. You know, uh, yeah, and socialism I, I can be that. I don't know enough, I guess. Well, um, same thing with... I mean, the, uh, that that's a silly response because... Why? Just because the party was called National Socialist doesn't mean that its its policies and practices were socialist. Well, they were. In they were sense? socialist for the country. In, in, in what sense were they socialist? Well, I'm sure, you know, there was a system in Nazi Germany that was very socialist in terms of being a German citizen. But I don't think socialism is necessarily only left wing. 
I think it's, it can, I don't think right. it's either. I think it can be right wing too. I don't know enough. This is where I'm learning. I don't know enough about any of it. I and think socialism just means that there's government programs that go a very long way in terms of uh, I know what socialism so, means. You know. I just don't know yeah. enough about the history of a lot of these things that I could, I could say. And this is where what I was saying to Glenn is that I wish I could take a year off and just read because I, when you ask me what my politics are, it's like, I feel like I'm just learning and right. like I woke up out of a coma and I joke now when I went on Michael Malice's show, I was like, I feel like an idiot going on these right wing political shows, political right, shows right. a, because I feel like an idiot, but B I'm like, did you guys know the left has double standards? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, no shit, Bridget. We've, we've like, we, we've known this. How do, do you feel worried that they're kind of trying to weaponize use? me? Yes, exactly. Of course. That's what I was um, say. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm highly aware of the fact that they could be, but my, I mean, I went on Gavin McGinnis' show. Oh, you did? Yeah, because I feel his like new one or the old one. His old one. Okay. I feel like the only way to combat a lot of what I'm fighting against is to have these conversations with people that are considered like pariahs, right? And that there should be. But the problem is that everyone kind of expects you to push back, you know. And I, I don't know enough to push back. So, but I still feel like, especially on the right, people have been left behind in terms of mental health and addiction and a lot of these topics because the left wing, the mainstream media is predominantly left. And so, and because the right wing media predominant does not really deal with culture. They're always just talking about politics and they don't talk about these cultural issues or even other verticals like wellness and mental health. Mm. And they don't have as many resources. And so I'm happily willing to go talk about my heroin addiction with Gavin McGinnis because I feel like he has an audience that needs to hear about that. Right. And I had so many people reach out after that. And, and I talked to one man's daughter who was trying to recover like that. I'll talk to anybody about that stuff. Right. And I can I can speak to political correctness and comedy. I can speak to I am a free speech absolutist, I think, as far as I can tell. And these are the things that I feel capable of talking about. But the minute it gets into policy, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, it's great, though, to be somebody who's willing to bridge the divide. You know, I mean, I think that's what we need a lot more yeah. of. We need people who are willing to say, hey, I don't hate the other side. We yeah. need unity, you know, and we need people who are willing to go on both shows and say like, hey, finding a way to try and get these sides back together at the t same table, at least, you Some know, to where, where it's not like just because somebody has a right wing thought they are therefore pure evil, right? you know, or, right. you know, same thing the other way, just because, you know, uh, AOC criticizes America doesn't mean that she is an enemy of the people, you know what I mean? Yeah. And we need more people, like our leaders should be like that. Unfortunately, things have gotten so polarized that our leaders are the opposite and they just 
fuel the fire of their base audience who are the extremists. Well, and, there's you know, a lot of monetary incentive right. you have to, to do that. Exactly. Because in, in order to get somebody to click on something, you have to make them super angry. And so you have to make it, you know, kind of ridiculous. It kind of makes sense, even when you think about it from a comedy perspective. Nobody really wants to hear about your... No one wants to hear about your great day when you get online, when you get on stage. Yeah. You're not getting up there right. to be like, hey guys, listen to how great awesome. my life is. Right, Anytime right. there's comedians that do that like positive energy thing in any of their social media i'm just like what are you doing they're like hashtag blessed hashtag hopeful hashtag no excited. there are comedians like, that do that oh yeah no uh, yeah. no i mean they're gonna fail in comedy comedians <laughs> well i mean there's people who play character like i mean jessel nick right he I mean, plays they, a character of i'm awesome well, yeah and, and it's I mean, very it's obviously and, totally and brody stevens like did that but yeah. he, d- he did it in a way that was funny like, right it wasn't just oh, brody. Uh, I, i'm I'm pos- I'm a positive guy. It was like part of his. So his clearly, he wasn't. Vibe. I guess we should <laughs> save this. We, this is basically an episode that we just did, just about her, right? Okay. But what do you? <clears throat> before we're done, how do the people find you to be on these shows? Like, do they just all reach Twitter. out? They, they, it's they, like they literally it. all Ben Twitter. So that's how Ben found me, and then. Was it a certain um, no, tweet then, that he saw? Or? Well, a is lot of tiny? the producers... Is he tiny? No, he's not as small as everyone jokes about. Okay. Um, I, I was just curious because I don't know how... I've never seen him like... He's not. He was taller. You know, he's, he was many inches taller than me. So, but I'm <laughs> tiny. Many inches. Um, he, so he... Uh, I think some of their... Ben had his producers reach out. I didn't know some of um, the Blaze producers were following me. I guess I just don't even know who follows me, but I had a spectator piece about how you shouldn't waste your money on college. Apparently that's a theme that Glenn, that is close to Glenn's heart. And so he had me on the radio first and we had so much fun. Then he, then he had me on his podcast. And then recently I went back again to do the radio show with them, which was so fun with him and Stu um, I've never. I it's know. fun. It was fun. It's live radio is freaking wild. It is. It, I got such a rush out of it. I'm like, this is amazing. It's one of the last frontiers of live, just pure adrenaline. Right. Where you're like, ah, oh, shit, this could go off the rails. Like someone called in and they started going off about how Asians were like transporting women. And then Glenn was like, okay, well, I think we're not on the same page here. I know a lot of lovely Asians. (laughs) It was like just wild. Glenn Beck should dress up like Santa Claus. I love him. He's He's a holdover for me from the time back when I was more you know party line liberal of like he was public he was like public the worst enemy guy. number one yeah he was yeah. like pure evil well, he, he you had know? like a huge uh moment in t- the, it was yeah. like 20 2009 right. 2008 2009 like, right, 2010 right, right. was like yeah. the glenn beck era yeah. because he was like bigger than he was in a south O'Reilly. Park. Yeah. yeah why do all those guys shill for gold isn't that so weird? Glenn Beck shows for gold, and so does I. First of all, Shapiro, I just cannot stand. But he, he, he like his ads are all just like buy gold, buy gold. Because why, they're, why? What is it about conservatives and buying gold? Well, it's the whole like prepper crew, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's you know, right. Yeah. It's, it's like, the, like you're dooms- gonna need it. Right? Yeah, they know who yeah. their audience is. Yeah, right. evangelicals right. are like the rapture's coming. Get yeah. some fucking gold. What's it's for, like who's yeah, trading? is it? Is it's it, the doomsday cult. Is it right. Jim it's, Baker yeah, that sells like under the food buckets? Thing. Have you guys seen seen no, the Jim Baker food buckets? No, I'll look those up later and we can watch it. But I think I think it's Jim Baker who who has a new like 
um, evangelical prayer show, and I think they sell like just giant buckets of food. Oh, really? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I have a whole, and this is something that Glenn and I actually <laughs> uh, were bonding about the first time I went on was just my, my prepper instinct and how I have such a... You're, you're, you kind of have that? Oh, I got called out on this on a show that I did with, um, it's called Reality Bites, and it's with this uh, woman, Courtney Kosak. She's very funny. And she had read all of my work at Playboy, basically. And she was like, you know, there's a theme in your work. And you're always talking about the dollar falling when the dollar collapses or when the shit hits the fan. And she totally called me out for my my like under uh, it was a low key prepper vibe and all or just apocalypse vibe and all of my all of my pieces. Are you worried is, about the apocalypse? I, I'm not worried, but I, I'm definitely someone that. It's a, what do they say? This that? is hilarious. This is a fiesta pail. Oh, yeah. I looked up the uh, Augustine so Farms 30-day fiesta bucket. <laughs> it's a fiesta bucket. If you go on jimbakershow.com. Uh, this is the, great. It is uh, Augustine Farms like fiesta bucket. Have, has like all the fixings to prepare over 100 delicious Mexican food favorites. For favorites breakfast, such lunch. as chicken fajitas, vegetarian tacos, bean burritos, enchiladas, breakfast burritos, nachos, and quesadillas. Yeah, it's just a giant. Wow. It's just a giant bucket of food. What are the sells. other themes? What um, are the other bucket types? There's the burger gl- bucket, gluten free black bean burger bucket, nice. Italian variety bucket. Italian These bucket, are Jim Baker's bucket. buckets. Yeah, he sells. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll pause and they'll just sell some buckets. Wait, what's the what is the Mexican themed one? It's the, uh, the thirty oh, day yeah. fiesta yeah. bucket. Or it says Fiesta Pale on the art. Dude, for only a hundred bucks, you could just live off that thing. You should just buy these, Charles, <laughs> instead of your delivery. Things. Are they just... selling these to the the kids in the cages? <laughs> <laughs> Is there a Fiesta theme? Um, That's racist. Uh, <laughs> yeah, look up the guys. Buy Jim Baker's buckets of food. It's delicious. Uh, yeah. Wow. Good Jim. A hundred bucks. That's yeah. cheap. It's three, what should we sell to our or... audience? Let's brainstorm. What would our audience buy? What the, is your audience, the, uh, by the way? The the are they incels? incels? Yeah, the I incels. feel like they're incels. <laughs> Why does everybody it? say the that? I knew it. I can tell just by kit. this guy. Oh. He's like, you're one of those girls, aren't you? Basically, call me a <laughs> thought. I did not call you a thought. You were talking about selling tits picks. What? I don't understand. I'm actually very confused about why both of you thought. I know what a thought is. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> you probably got that thought audit going with the hashtag. Thought. Oh, yeah. I remember. Th- Wait, what was oh, the thought yeah. audit? It was when all the incels were going after thoughts and making and reporting them to oh, the right, IRS. Right, 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 right. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that's yeah, like 4chan. That was... Those guys are geniuses. Yeah, they are. Um, Wait, one, of, one of our so listeners. So what do your incels need? One of our listeners. I think you guys should sell blow up sex dolls then. Right. No, they just need makeovers. Yeah, that's we right. We need a Charles. Get the Charles makeover. Like, well, I do it? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know that I would be good at that. Like, we need to get... Sell makeover. Yeah, we need we need tips for our some of our incel we listeners. We should literally like. start a show called Incel Makeovers. <laughs> it's a great idea. It's a great idea. What, what are... So your listeners are primarily lonely men that feel disenfranchised? No, we have a lot of different influence. <laughs> we did have uh, we, we, have a we did a live show recently, and one of our listeners came on stage and, and, and admitted. <laughs> I didn't say that. He's gonna no, fucking I, shoot I, us. No, no, if you look, say that. I like 
him and he's cool i'm just saying like from the, my first thing was like uh, you know he's a self-admitted kind of i was incel-ish. all i said was that he admitted to being a 4chaner in the past right oh uh, 4chan it, and incel up. they're like not all the same though exactly there that's the Venn. there's a venn diagram yeah. there so listener you know you know who called you an incel and who just reported the facts <laughs> well, I feel like in case you've got a gun at home <laughs> incels are the people who need the most love right now I yeah i agree so that's why i want to be somebody who they can listen to and not feel completely alienated i don't hate society. on the incels well yeah. i did that day i did but um it was only because they were being so mean to women wait what what, when did you hit During the IRS that? thing. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. I kicked the hornet's nest. But yeah. I actually think that it it's... um Rejection, man. It's, yeah, it's, it's just... fucking painful. It's painful. And if you don't have coping skills for dealing with it, it, it's, it can turn inward and or outward and right. be destructive. And I mean, imagine. Imagine just being fucking rejected everywhere you go all the time by the one thing you want, which is women. I mean, it's like I would go fucking nuts too. You know, I I totally get why they are feel the way that they do. I don't think hating women is the solution or killing, uh, right? Or I don't think it's like it's not women's fault. You, like you can't just blame them. It's, well, this is the thing you know? that's interesting to me, and I've been talking and wanting to write about this. Is that the the idea that there? Uh, I was dealing with this the other day. Just the idea, and I see it a lot online that a lot of us have been in the Thunderdome duking it out, fighting over the scraps of opportunities. Uh, Those of us being women, people of color, everyone but white men. White men do have a certain amount of, there has been a certain amount. I mean, Louis C.K. did an amazing bit about this, how it's like where when as a white man, you're like, well, here's your chair, sir, sit down. Like the opportunities have always just been, uh, not handed to you, but they're they come more easily. And I feel like the scales have tipped like ever so slightly and the playing fields are leveled out just a little bit and fucking guys cannot handle it. That I'm like, welcome to the Thunderdome, bitches. The rest of us have been in here duking it out. And I think that white guys got soft. It, well, but in what way? In what way would you say that, say, my life and your life? In what way have things been given to me as a white man that haven't been given to you? Um, I I don't know that things. Ha- I don't know your life well enough, but right. I I don't I don't know. I only know my own life, just struggling for opportunities on my own. Um, I've always been a hustler, so. I never expected anything to be given to me and I didn't I I didn't have any awareness of a lot of these disparities because I was always a new girl in high school and so I didn't have just I was always the girl that everyone bullied so I I didn't have this concept of like I really noticed my privilege which is a thing even though I hate the way that it's been overused but when I was in rehab at 19 it was I was the only white girl and it was a state funded rehab and I was hearing everybody's stories about how they ended up there in these counsel counseling sessions. And I was like, holy shit, I've just been like given too much. Hmm. I've had too much opportunity and I had too many things that were just handed to me. Now, there's tons of um, white poverty, too. So I'm not saying that there aren't people who are white who don't have opportunities handed to you but i don't think it comes with a lot of the same stigma that other people have to deal with 
Um, I don't know that there is much difference between you and me because I have what I would say is girl privilege. <laughs> right. And I mean, so it's like, I think you have to use whatever you get, but I don't sure. think I have more privilege than... Um, I've been around enough boys clubs in my life and worked in industries where I was a waitress and around men who were powerful and been around to see that like there's just boys club privilege. Yeah, there just is. Look, I mean, I'm not an idiot. I I understand that being a white man, certain, you know, it's easier in a lot of ways. I get it. I'm not, you know, I'm not somebody who's sitting here saying that I can't see that at all. I just think that... um, but it sucks to be a white guy who doesn't have any of these things, right. who just comes from a shitty town in the middle right. of shitty nowhere. I mean, there is so many fucking white people in this country. That's oh, what people totally. forget. People th- no, seem I like, don't forget people this. like if there's a room that, that is like people are like, oh, it's all white men. It's like, yeah, yeah there's going to be a lot of times when That's it's all I white men because there's so millions of them. Yeah. So I'm saying like, you know, you go to some town in eastern Illinois you know, imagine being a white person from there and then you have this media barking in your face totally, all the time telling I get you, it. You're, oh, you, your life is so easy. It's like, it's no, not. it's not. No. And it's so that's why I just don't even like getting into this discussion because it's like there's so many people that you're going to be marginalizing by assuming that every individual has X life because they were born a certain skin color. It's just, it's a, it's a, I understand why people do it. I get it. I, I understand the anger. I see it. You know what I mean? I, f- I, I understand the anger of it, but it's just such a I toxic see it more discussion. on the left than I do from, like, if we're going to talk about the white men that I'm referring to, it's usually liberals. Li- wait, what do you mean? Like, people who are little bitches about not getting opportunities. Right. It's people who are like, I'm not getting that writing job. I'm not getting yeah. And it's like, okay, well, fucking keep working at it. Right. Make your own opportunities. So that's more what I'm referring to. I'm not referring to like the plumber in in the middle of the country who's yeah. been struggling because I actually think there are plenty of people who have g- grit and resilience. Sure. What I see a lack of in general in a, the country, no matter what side you're coming from, is resilience and grit. And I don't see... And I see people yeah, leaning into their victimhood, victimhood instead of leaning rampant. In, yeah, that I listened to the most fucked up sword and scale episode. I'm a huge like true like really extreme true crime fan, and sword and scale is like the most extreme true crime show. And there was a woman on who was this was in episode twenty. Worse, uh, this one was really bad. It was a woman who was attacked by a serial killer, and he like tried to kill her, mm-hmm. and she survived. She was the only one who survived. And she said on the thing, she was like, people who were really victims don't spend the rest of their lives talking about being victims because they survived. They beat the demon, you know, like they they actually survived something. They were tested and they won. Right. And they don't then spend the rest of their lives as a victim. They spend the rest of their lives as like a hero, really. And she she was saying like victimhood, I can't, I like look around and I see all these people just dwelling in their victimhood their whole lives. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, that's not what a real person who actually faced something like that does, you know? And I I think that that's totally true. It's too much uh, using victimhood as an asset, right? It's like, I'm gonna... Yeah, it's the economy of victimhood. Right. It's everywhere. It's rampant. Yeah. 
And I, it's a trap that's easy to fall into. Right. I mean, even when I kick the hornet's nest of your listeners, um, <laughs> I got guys. T- we're kidding. We're just kidding. We're kidding. We're I'm kidding too. Don't, don't kill me. Don't buy a gun. Um, <laughs> I, I definitely got tons of followers on my Patreon because people saw the abuse that I right. was getting, yeah, and yeah, they were sure. like, "Oh, we've been not sitting on the sidelines, and now we want to." Help, um, help you out or support you and I don't want to have to like kick a hornet's nest every time to get the same thing happened recently with uh, Crowder he got you know mobbed by the left and then all of their subscriptions went up went on, up because of it yeah right no, but because true. he was getting mobbed so you it's a it's an easy way to drive subscriptions or money or whatever right. if you're if you're somebody who leans into that yeah right yeah that's and interesting. it's definitely it's like a slot How do machine. you get out of it? How do you get out of that trap if that's... That, if it that's works. why I started this podcast that uh, my whole podcast is based on grit and resilience. And it's oh, just cool. people telling their story because the other trap of victimhood is... And I see this um, with a lot of people in the kind of intellectual dark web space mm-hmm. as they'll be raging against the, uh, the the culture of victimhood, but then make themselves victim. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. yes. No, that's yes. very true. And then end up talking about victimhood. Yeah. Yes. Right. No, I'm like, right. you guys are doing the same fucking thing. Yeah, you don't even realize so- it. They just whine. They They whine whine. so much. I compare them to like the goth kids in high school (laughs) who would, they'd be all dressed weird and they're like, everyone hates us. We're dressed weird. And it's like, yeah, but you wanted that. And now you're mad that you're getting it. So it's the same thing with them. Like they, they complain about, uh, other people not being able to take critiques and then when they get critiqued, they like curl up into a ball and 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 throw tantrums. And it's just like, why? That's not, that's the exact point of why you exist yeah. is now the thing that you're railing against. Yeah. Now you're hanging out in your little club and only talking to each other all the time. Yeah, I know. call it the intellectual dark circle jerk. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like MRA, you know, men's rights. Yeah, yeah. That, I fucking hate those guys because it's like all they do is just, they're doing exactly that. They're like, uh, play, they're like, too many women are playing the victim card. Now I'm going to play the victim card, you know, like now I'm going to like match all these women's arguments of like men need more help because they are dying in the workplace more often. It's just like you're. Yeah, it's. And I am a huge defender of men. This is part of the reason I think Playboy got rid of me. But I was always a big defender of I. I do think that men disproportionately suffer. Um in terms of like workplace injuries. And I know so many good men who just go to work and they keep the country going. And they're my, my family members who are in the coast guard and the army and the, and they're firemen. And I, it's like, they just go to fucking work and do their thing and take care of their family. And there are millions and millions of men who do that, who are good fathers and good citizens and they don't want to be barked at and told that they're pieces of shit right, every day yeah. and because racist they're a guy, because yeah. they're a guy right. and i totally agree that's all they're hearing why so wait but that's why playboy got rid well of you, no but i i used to always say things like there are no real men left <laughs> and yeah. like i did again this is where my total lack of knowledge i didn't go to college so i wasn't indoctrinated with a lot of the ideology right. i at least was not exposed to it And I didn't have anybody who I was offline. I mean, I wasn't really very online person until 2013. And even then I 
was just getting exposed to the culture, but it was still as Michael, as Michael Malice explained it to me, I can't remember whose theory this is the idea of the cathedral. I was in a left wing city surrounded by liberals and came from a liberal family. So the fact I didn't even, I knew about the right, but I was like, yeah, whatever. They're just like over there doing their thing. (laughs) And I didn't know that I could say these things. It would get me totally eviscerated by the left. What happened with Playboy? I don't know. I mean, I started being more honest. I got published in the Federalist. And and one day, one of my patrons was sent me a screenshot and it was somebody else had written the advisor. Oh, <laughs> they didn't God. even tell me. Wait, somebody else had written what? The advisor in the magazine. Your column. Oh. Which, by the way, is a month. It's print. So, yeah. like, there's more than enough time to tell me that they don't, that I'm not working for them anymore. Right. Wait, somebody had, re- I'm just confused. So, they ha- they had somebody in-house write the, the column that was mine. The Playboy oh. advisor is, like, the iconic advice column oh. in Playboy. And I, I think only seven or eight of us have had it. And they replaced me with uh, somebody in-house and really? never let me know. They didn't even tell you? No. Jesus. And I think it was an accident. They say it was. I think what happened Unlikely. was someone drafted an email and it yeah. never got sent. Yeah. And uh, I was under contract, so I couldn't work for anyone. I'm Jesus. Did they pay out your contract at least? They, I ended up like having to push back okay. um, and say, like, you guys had me on a non-compete, and then you replaced and me. Do and do you think somebody like politically assassinated you inside? Inside, probably. Fucking, the same things happened to me. I was a columnist for LA Weekly for oh, okay. years, and it was yeah, the same you shit. Got, you got I got fucked. assassinated because which 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 was it? Do you think? What did were it? you with Art Tavano when he was there? Yeah, I, I know. I, Art. We wrote a piece together about gentrification. Okay, and he's yeah, a, he was on my him. podcast. Really? Yeah. yeah, he's a good become a good friend. He's nice. like a, he's right wing. Who's kind of come? We're all in the same space. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, so he, uh, yeah, it was the same shit. Like they stopped returning my calls basically because somebody complained and later on it wasn't until years later that i was emailing with the editor who used to work there and he was like yeah somebody complained about you internally and i was like what Mm -hmm. i was was already stepping over the line even before i I was already getting in trouble even before yeah and then um so fucked up it's so it's happened to so many people that's what happened to mitchell he got he's mitchell sunderland the one i talked about earlier he was uh, the guy that got, he was in charge of the female vertical broadly advice. And then all those emails about with Milo got leaked. And in one of them, he was saying to, um, he was saying, he said something like make fun of that fat feminist about Lindy West or something like mm. that. And <laughs> like, that was it. That was it. Yeah. It's so hilarious. Cause <laughs> he all, got the, canceled. all the men's magazines are now women's magazines. They're not men. It's, I said this hilarious. on Twitter the other day. I was like, men's magazines don't <laughs> give a now, shit about men. No, it literally the front of a like the, all the articles in a men's magazine now in GQ, it'll be like the best women soccer players, but it's, <laughs> it's all, like, it's fuck? all gay men and yeah, and just, women who hate men. Right. Who work at them. Yeah. It's all like Ivy league Brown graduate mm-hmm. women who are really, rich you know and come from tons of privilege who get these literary you know literature jobs because they went to all the right schools and all the right people and then now they just don't write things that anybody resonates with at all besides each other no there's a huge space i yeah. always say i want to start a me- like an actual well, men's magazine well no okay. so quillet's not a men's magazine at all but no, i'm saying it's her. a little bit more on the right yeah it's a you know? little bit they're coming left they they just got 
They're coming left. Really? They're coming because they're getting center. They're getting. They're getting money. <laughs> oh right. Yeah. He who has the gold yeah. makes the rules. Hey, it's plug time. Thanks for listening to this episode. We're going to do a few plugs real quickly. Uh, Join our forum at nahf.boards.net. We have some fun conversations happening there. Not really, but, you know, if you join, it'll be more fun. You can email us at notahugefanpodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe on your preferred podcast platform and write us a review on iTunes. Pretty please. It's so helpful if you do that. Yeah, and do all those things and don't fucking text me. Yeah. Leave don't, Isaac alone. Do not text me your thoughts about the podcast. Yeah. That's, send them to the email or post them on the forum and we will respond there yeah. and it'll be great. Right. Uh, and then my social media is all Funzaroni, including my website. You can follow me there. Thank you. How do you spell that? F-U-N-Z-A-R-O-N-I. Funzaroni. Funzaroni. And why is it that? Uh, it's a name I picked ages ago and now it's too late. Yeah. To go back. Sounds Uh You can find me at isaacsimpson.com. That's my website. Uh, it's a portfolio website, so it's a lot of my work uh, in the advertising and journalism and brand creation world. But uh, you can also find ways to contact me there. Um, and also, uh, I don't really do socials, but you can find me on medium that's probably the best place to to find me or linkedin i enjoy being linkedin so just linkedin isaac simpson and you can uh, talk to me there that's it thank you for listening goodbye bye don't text isaac